Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Coast to Coast podcast. My name is Kyle. And I'm Misha. And today we're going to be talking about our thoughts on the new Harley Quinn Birds of Prey movie starring Margot Robbie. We're also going to be talking about our top 10 basketball movies of all time. Uh, since Kyle and I are both big basketball fans and we're in kind of the full swing of the NBA season and March Madness is fast approaching. Uh, and then we'll touch on this weekend's cod league event in atlanta hosted by the atlanta face but before we get into that how's it going kyle uh it's going pretty well um not a whole lot going on this past week um it actually snowed here yesterday which was interesting um it snowed in virginia yeah it did actually oh i guess it is february yeah we got like just enough to kind of cover the ground not really much the road i think more like virginia beach hampton roads area got like maybe an inch to three inches well i think it hit like 70 degrees here in the bay area today something like that so (laughs) sorry man yeah that's okay i like i actually prefer the cooler weather um not as much as like snow but i'm like a good like mid 50s guy you'd love the bay area then i'd love the bay area what it's like the majority of the time (laughs) Yeah, did you do anything eventful, noteworthy that you want to share? Um, well, I guess kind of of note is I'm actually, I know we say that I am live in the San Francisco Bay Area, but I've always lived kind of outside of the city proper of San Francisco. And this past weekend, me and Shannon and two other friends actually found a really nice place in the city. So we're going to be moving into uh, the Bernal Heights kind of area of San Francisco, if anybody's familiar. We'll link um, the Zillow ad in the show notes. Just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> Feel free to dox me. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that was probably the biggest thing of note. Uh, although I'm not really looking forward to moving uh, after it's living in the pain. same place for for three years. You kind of accrue a lot of just like random stuff. So mm-hmm. probably going to be offloading a lot of that in the near future. But you'll you said it'll probably have like a pretty cool um, designated like office space yeah so me and shannon are in a one bedroom right now so i have to game and record the podcast out in kind of the living area and it can be hard with our schedules sometimes mm-hmm. um but we'll each each couple will have a room and then we'll actually have like a, another spare room downstairs and then besides that spare room we'll also have like a bonus room that i'll probably be able to really kind of make my own in terms of the setup and probably just kind of make a comfy little like gaming slash recording nook nice do you think you're gonna have a lot of like pressures to do like couple things all the time no i don't think so the couple that we're moving in with is super chill um they have sort of similar schedules like us they have similar just like similar values and you know they're not I, i wouldn't say there's pressure to do coupley stuff but inevitably living with another couple i'm sure some of that will happen but i think mm-hmm. it won't be a major adjustment okay but uh cool. yeah besides that uh caught the all-star activities this past weekend mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know if you saw any of those i saw some like the highlights on sports center but i didn't actually watch it live yeah the dunk contest was the dunk contest mm-hmm. of course <laughs> I, f- I feel like it's hard to create an engaging contest like that year after year but the uh we were talking about this earlier but the all-star game was i think the new format they experimented with was pretty cool and actually like 
resulted in the players playing pretty hard, playing some defense. So hmm. it's actually fun to watch the, the All-Star game this year. Nice. Well, hopefully they keep it up. Did they say they're going to keep it up for the years to come? I'm not sure. I think the new format was more of like an experimentation. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure we'll probably see... Um, you know some different ideas cast out there in the future but i like the direction they're heading kind of not taking themselves too seriously and you know it's like i think baseball is kind of the model for all-star games because the winner of that inevitably gets like a home home field advantage in the world series so uh, it would be cool if there was something like that that sort of dynamic in the nba yeah for sure but speaking of basketball um Basketball is definitely a sport that's practically built for like the drama of, of movies. You have mm-hmm. these fast paced action scenes, which are pretty much perfect for like montages. And you have the tension of last second heroics pretty much like punctuated by the sound of a buzzer are pretty much like all makings of a cinematic greatness, if you would. But as we know, not all hoops films are made equal. Um, some in fact are downright mediocre and, and others, while originally praised as brilliant, have kind of fared worse over time than others. So, you know, whether it's a film that has actual basketball players in it or actors doing their best impression of a real-life player, um, the best films definitely make viewers lose themselves in the game for a moment, I would say. And mm-hmm. I think the rest may as well be Disney Channel original movies. But <laughs> so we kind of... Like you said earlier, we both are really big basketball fans. And um, if you're kind of having some tr- trouble sorting it all out yourselves, then this is definitely us having you covered. And like Misha said, the NBA All-Star Weekend was last weekend. So this kind of was sparked from that. So we've come up with the 10 best basketball movies in our eyes. And the way we kind of broke down a ranking system is we kind of thought about just the the overall quality of a film that was tied into there and then also kind of how it was mentioned before how it kind of stands up over time because you can have like a really good experience with the movie when it first came out or Mm -hmm. maybe it was a movie in the 70s that you watched and you know in the 70s in the 70s or it just doesn't (laughs) really it doesn't really carry on to now 2020 sure Um, and of course there's definitely some of our favorite nostalgia films out there and just the overall enjoyment of watching a basketball film. And that doesn't necessarily mean that it's a great movie. Um, but to us, it either holds kind of near and dear place in our heart, or it's kind of like where we watched it with others and it kind of sparked, um, just an overall great feel of a film. Yeah. And I I think looking at my list of, of top 10, there's definitely a degree of like, there's a heavy degree of like nostalgia and the impact it had on me at the point in my life mm-hmm. in where I rank the films. Yeah, exactly. So I guess we'll get started with our number ten movie. Well, I guess we'll you can say yours and I can say mine and we'll just bounce off that way. Okay. Yeah. So mine coming in. So it's funny coming up with this list was actually kind of hard because I had to rack my brain despite being a big basketball fan of all the basketball movies I've actually watched. Right. Um, so I, I think I'd only watched like 11. So choosing a list of 10 was pretty easy. Um, 
but the first one at number 10 on my list is Joanna Man. Right. If you remember Joanna Man came out in 2002. Uh-huh. Uh, and it was basically about a basketball score, a basketball star like impersonating a f- WNBA player um to comedic effect. Yeah, I I seldomly remember that. I couldn't tell you who was in it or what it was even about besides <laughs> like the main character. I think it was what was it a, a man Jamal Jeffries? Yeah, and yeah, impersonating a female basketball player. Yeah. Yeah, okay. he basically gets like kicked off of his pro team and has to like find a way back into pro basketball and yeah. it's kind of raunchy. Jokes are pretty stupid, but I think the relative effect it had on me was at the time that I saw it. Mm-hmm. It was around the time that my parents had first gotten like HBO and Cinemax and I was kind of like unmonitored watching <laughs> yeah. movies maybe I shouldn't have been and mm-hmm. you know this is one of the first like raunchy movies I'd seen, you know, at that age. Yeah, so for me number 10 um so I've seen a lot more than I think 11 basketball movies now that I'm thinking mm-hmm. about it, but um so for me I think there definitely needed to be a couple comedies on this list um so for me my number 10 is going to be semi-pro so i think first of all this you know will ferrell is obviously hilarious and this movie is criminally underrated um i think in his overall (laughs) comedic canon um but if you're not familiar with it will ferrell almost called him will we're on a first name basis um (laughs) he's like a player coach owner of like this aba team and the movie, you know, is not realistic in any way. Um, I think Andre Three Thousand from Outcast plays a pretty prominent role, um, and it's just Woody Harrelson. Yeah, it's it's a lot of fun, and I think its enduring legacy is the occasional like Tropics jersey you'll see at an NBA game. Yeah, I think that's kind of cool. It was it was between Semi Pro and Like Mike for me, but I, I ended up choosing Semi Pro. Hmm. Yeah, I, I definitely like semi-pro as well. Um, I I agree that it's kind of underrated in the canon of Will Ferrell comedies. Mm-hmm. Um, and that Flint Tropics jersey, like you said, is kind of uh, ubiquitous at any like NBA game or frat party. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so actually speaking about your debate over that and like Mike, that is actually number nine on my list. Oh, like wow. Mike, uh, 2002 basketball comedy. Starring, of course, Lil Bow Wow and probably the peak of Lil Bow Wow's career. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, essentially follows uh, Calvin Cambridge's orphan who finds a pair of Michael Jordan shoes, which give him magical powers. And then he kind of skyrockets into the NBA. And the fictional, I think it's like the LA Knights are the fictional Los Angeles team that plays at Staples Center. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, this one, I think, was a movie that was kind of made for our generation. It's probably why it was so stuck out for us so much. Mm-hmm. Um, and had a lot of really good cameos, like Jason Kidd, Alan Iverson, uh, Dirk, and I mean, there, there's tons of like NBA cameos in this one. And yeah, I thought it was kind of a it was a good kids movie at the time, you know? Yeah. For me, and oh, sorry, go ahead. Actually, sorry, I had one more thing. You know that Jesse Plemons, who plays, um, oh, what's his name in, in Breaking Bad? 
oh, the uh, um, the psycho. Yeah, like the psycho white supremacist guy. Mm-hmm. Todd. Todd. Um, he played the bully Ox at the orphanage in like Mike. Wow. Yeah. Funny how that how that goes. Mm-hmm. Still a bully. Still mean. <laughs> right. For me, number nine was a little bit of a, an odd kind of movie and um i don't know if you've seen this movie but for me number nine i have teen wolf with michael j fox not the ridiculous mtv show that came out (laughs) um it's this movie i'm so michael j fox is a teen who is also a wolf i mean (laughs) i'm not sure what's not to like here but pretty literal title yeah, so like he turns into this like extremely athletic mythical beast and um I don't know, it's it's I definitely I think it's a cult classic. Um I think it's most of like a cult classic of films that are on my list, but mm-hmm. um I don't know. I just really I enjoyed the movie. I I like Michael J. Fox and I thought it was kind of a cool way to spin a basketball mo- basketball movie that didn't always like stick to the same formulaic um game plan sure yeah i was i was a big fan of michael j fox um obviously like kind of grew up on the back to the future movies and this really would have been nice to see how his career would ended up if you know not stricken by parkinson's that he suffered he like battles with yeah um so moving on to number eight on my list, I have Blue Chips, which That's, stars Nick. I had the same one. Really? Is number eight? Yeah, it's number eight, Blue Chips. Nice. Yeah, mm-hmm. so it stars uh, Nick Nolte, and I wouldn't really call them cameos as they kind of star in the film, but Shaq and uh, Penny Hardaway are also cast in the film. Um, and the reason I really like this one, I think more so today, is because it's kind of about the illicit uh like activity of like boosters and some of the kind of like shady promotion that people do to try to get kids to play at their schools mm-hmm. i just feel like that's really relevant today yeah and rick patino and larry bird also pop up as well mm-hmm. and like you said compared to the kind of scandals that have engulfed you know college athletics these days pretty much exactly what you're saying it's it's pales in comparison and i think the story is strong and i think out of all the ones on my list it actually has some of the best like actual basketball scenes in yeah any of the I, movies we definitely i probably could have rewatched all these and we could have judged based on basketball like the quality of the basketball because there are some basketball movies <laughs> yeah. where it just like doesn't cut it mm-hmm. yeah it's um, it's rough like you can definitely tell that's not how it should be yeah for sure and I think that is kind of an influence in my number seven, semi-pro. Uh, so we already kind of touched on semi-pro, but the basketball is definitely not <laughs> on par. Although I have tried to copy the the scene where Will Ferrell's like in the post. Oh yeah, and he's like, it, it, "Give it to me, give it to me, uh, back, back out, back out." <laughs> he like they like go back and forth for like five or six passes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, semi-pro is number seven on my list. Nice. For me, I um I wasn't sure whether to include like basketball documentaries or not. Um but I did anyway. <laughs> and I included um Have you ever seen the 
documentary Hoop Dreams. Yeah. So I included That's that. That's a Chicago one, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I have that as my number seven. Um, it's pretty much it's a film by Steve James who tells the story of like these two prospects, William Gates and Arthur Agee, trying to launch basketball careers to get themselves out of inner city Chicago. Mm-hmm. And it follows the movie follows both players for I think four years as they go through high school and then recruiting and then of course like school issues and and staying on track despite like outside pressures and um, the film actually got an Oscar nod for best film editing. So oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, and and they because de- they definitely like poured over like footage of their stories to weave kind of like this one cohesive picture. And um, I definitely think this is a must see if you're a basketball fan. And uh, that's my that's my number seven. Do you have other documentaries on the list? Um, I have. So for the documentary category, I only have this one, but okay. I was going to put either this one or um, Kobe Bryant's Muse on Showtime in there. Sure. But that one's not really it's not a basketball movie. It's just about a basketball player, which I don't think right. counts. Yeah, because there is there is a large kind of library of really excellent bas- basketball documentaries. Oh yeah, plenty of like what, thirty for thirties, I'm sure too. Yeah, plenty of like Winning Time. There's a kind of story of the rivalry between um, Spike Lee and mm-hmm. Reggie Miller was one that always I always really liked. Or the Fab Five. Just a lot of really alluring basketball stories. Yeah. Um, but moving on to number six, uh, I had a Disney movie in glory road that's why i have my number six (laughs) really yeah wow yeah so this one i think is another one of those movies a bit like like mike that was kind of made for a generation um disney kind of had a slew of these sort of like true life uh sports stories and like remember the titans um there was like a kevin costner baseball movie i forget the name of it uh that came out disney did Mm-hmm. Um, but th- this one essentially tells the story of the 1966 uh, Texas Western, which is now uh, UTEP, University of Texas, El Paso, their uh, like Division One basketball championship and how they kind of battle racism and adversity along the way. Yeah, and I think the, the true story um, is far more compelling and highlights an issue that basketball and in that era certainly suffered from which was definitely racism Mm -hmm. and i think the movie even though it's it's disney fied a bit right um, i think it still was given the proper weight to kind of tell this story and i think it's definitely a worthy um center for kind of the way basketball was and how it's kind of transformed and transitioned into the modern era yeah yeah because if you recall it was like he went out and sort of like recruited kids from sort of the street scenes and all these urban areas that were doing like alley-oops and dunks and i would say the quality of basketball in this one was was up there in terms of basketball movies Mm -hmm. um but yeah i'd agree it kind of carried that sort of emotional weight that made you kind of take it seriously and it actually ended up winning an sb in 2006 for best sports movie um so I'm not sure what the field looked like at the time, but and it's not the most prestigious award, but it's um, if you're making a sports movie, I feel like in SB, you'd be proud of that. Yeah, of course. 
Um, so moving on to number five, I have one that I actually only saw probably about a month ago in Coach Carter. Um, okay. So Coach Carter came out in 2005. It tells uh, the real-life story of uh, Richmond High School basketball coach Ken Carter. That's not Richmond, Virginia. That's Richmond, California. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I, I'd heard a lot about this movie, and obviously I'd gone – basically 15 years without seeing it um but this is a movie that a lot of people will tell you kind of changed the way people coach um you know sort of set some set the bar for sort of like the image of discipline and um i guess just like it, it just like gives you a different expectation of what a basketball coach is and what like a a hard basketball coach who pushes you to your limits is like um and i i really enjoyed this one even though it, it took me a while to see it yeah so for um i guess i can touch on it now i had coach carter next on my number four um oh, okay. and like you said i think that this is one of those basketball movies where the team grows and changes as it gets better on the floor and mm-hmm. kind of teaching a lesson along the way it's it's fairly formulaic but it tells a pretty nice story and um i think a a sneaky highlight of this film is an appearance from a very young extremely bald channing tatum (laughs) and and, uh of course i mean samuel l jackson um not too many better actors than him and of course him getting challenged by one of the team's better players to a fight i mean Mm -hmm. you can imagine how that goes and uh that alone is worth a look, I would say. But yeah, even mm-hmm. a even a younger Octavia Spencer makes an appearance. Oh um, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'd say this is the point in my list, at least, where the the movies start to get a little better, probably a, a bit more critically received. Um, but the one knock I do have against Coach Carter, where there were were some kind of silly moments, um, like him just like holding a press conference at a high school, right. which in general i just don't really feel like happens like national media one day he decides to like suspend his team and the next day like national media is at their gym right right um, so there was some some kind of weird plot devices used in the retelling of the true life story but i, I enjoyed it as a whole as a whole yeah so for my number five i have hoosiers and interesting i think hoosiers definitely needs to be on this list because it's regarded as a classic basketball movie mm-hmm. um you know the Indiana Pacers have a Hickory High jersey that looks pretty cool. <laughs> I think Gene Hackman in a coaching role is always something to appreciate. Um, but there, there's not a movie on on my list. I would say that has aged worse than Hoosiers. Um, hmm. It's a film you know made in 1986. It's a film about an all white small town basketball team triumphing because you know they got one good player. And in this particular movie, they are the good guys, but, you know, three decades later, it's hard not to view them or it's hard not to view the team they beat, I think, um, in the finals as the far more interesting story. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to speak too much on this because it appears later in my list. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think that's kind of the effect that you're talking about is the product of the environment that they're telling a story about you know right um 
and I'd, I'd agree it probably hasn't aged well with this kind of pasty white middle American like all white basketball team um, and coach and fans and you know whatever else yeah uh, but I, I enjoyed Hoosiers a lot I'll say that before I get to where it's at my list <laughs> nice yeah um for me uh the next one on my list is white men can't jump um this is of course starring wesley snipes and woody harrelson and they're essentially these street ballers who recognize each other's game and see it as an opportunity to basically hustle people using woody harrelson's apparent uh lack of basketball ability because he's white you know and kind of the chaos that ensues and i really enjoyed this one just for kind of that you know if you're a basketball fan and you like to play basketball casually you know what it's like um you know playing in pickup games playing with people you might not know and especially for us kyle Mm -hmm. let me know if your experience has been different but i've definitely been the victim of that and I consider myself like a above average basketball player. Um, I've definitely had those moments with people I don't know where based on my color, they assume certain things about my ability as a basketball player. So I, I, th- I think that dynamic is played really strongly throughout the the course of this movie. And that's why it's number four on my list. Nice. And we talked about my number four again. That was uh, Coach Carter. Mm-hmm. Um, so... I can touch my number three, which for me, um, number three is He Got Game. Okay. So um, this is Spike Lee. This is Denzel Washington um, pretty much putting on a great performance and a pretty dynamic role um, and actually an appearance from Ray Allen as his son. And it's pretty much just him – and not just like an appearance, like starring role, basically. Yeah. So this is this is another movie that settles on a plot involving a five-star high school recruit, mm-hmm. um, Jake Shuttlesworth, um, coming to grips with his father's incarceration for killing his mother. Um, I think it's the story is really compelling and it's really well executed, and it's not the apex of you know Spike Lee or Denzel Washington's career in cinema but I think it's certainly worthy of being on my top 10 basketball list. Yeah, it's uh, it's on my list as well, actually. So I might as well admit that it's at number two on my list. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously, like you said, really great performances by Denzel Washington and Ray Allen, who with no previous acting experience, you really have to kind of laud him for his role in this film. Um, I think the cinematography was really good. Obviously, with a director like Spike Lee, it's not like some kind of off, one-off director making a basketball movie. It's somebody who really knows about their craft, taking the time uh, to make a movie about the subject of basketball. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think one thing that I really enjoyed is kind of the iconic scene where the two of them were playing one-on-one was actually more or less kind of a loose game that was played between the two of them that was caught on camera, so... Mm-hmm. Uh, it's pretty interesting to see that play out on screen. Nice. So who's your number th- three? Uh, so my number three is Space Jam. Uh, obviously, I don't think this one needs too much of an, an introduction, but mm-hmm. basically stars Michael Jordan and the Looney Tunes. Um, 
and this kind of i guess invasion by these um like cartoon aliens who are trying to steal pro basketball players talents in order to use them at their like space intergalactic intergalactic amusement park uh, moron mountain um so i i am sure that this is on your list because we've watched this one together many times but i think this one kind of transcends generations and it's just a lot of fun yeah so this one we, we've talked about my next two already so i can mm-hmm. just say so my number two what is white man can't jump mm-hmm. um and again like you said i think that this this movie is great but most importantly, it's it's beloved by people with a particular zeal that I think a lot of these other movies on our list don't really have. And I think, I mean, Hoosiers might be the exception, but unlike Hoosiers, I think this one holds up significantly better in the modern era. And definitely the acting from Wesley Snipes and Woody Harrelson is very solid. And mm-hmm. I think everyone loves the film about a good grift. And like <laughs> you said, I can definitely relate to the characters in the movie. And, um, well character singular right and i think that um it's just a fun a fun watch so that's that's my number two and then again we talked about space jam and actually have space jam as number one on my list figured um yeah so (laughs) again the so space jam i guess i can start off with is not really you know it's not really a great movie i think when you take away the nostalgia um and then the soundtrack and i think much like mighty ducks the the bones of the plot are a bit bare mm-hmm. but this the, i think it's the nostalgia of the movie that kind of it's hard for me to let go and just watching it i could watch this movie over and over and over again and sing along to the soundtrack you know still be excited during the final game and i really mm-hmm. like michael jordan i think bill, mm-hmm. bill murray puts a really great comedic effect into the film agreed and it's just an overall feel-good movie, and I really hope that LeBron James and his sequel that they plan on coming out doesn't, you know, twist kind of this in any that way. Legacy. Yeah. 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 I mean, I I agree with you know kind of all of the above. Um, I think it kind of transcends generations. It's one of those things that like you see current NBA players like scratching to be starring in space jam too um and i think it uh has left a very lasting legacy in a lot of people and like and i think it's it's aged very well um but so that was number three on my list uh oh yeah two was he got game okay so my number one um was hoosiers so i alluded to it being on my list um i didn't want to talk too much at it at number five at your spot um but i feel like this is probably the better all-around movie in terms of quality um it was one of the first probably really a a bit in the way that you were mentioning that um glory road had weight to it i think hoosiers did as well um and i think dennis hopper's performance as the assistant coach was really powerful um, you know, as like this kind of drunk struggling with alcoholism and trying to kind of make his redemption. Um, and, you know, growing up in a place where some people in my life, you know, were struggling with the same sorts of things. It's interesting to see that play out on screen. Um, and 
yeah, I just I thought Gene Hackman did an amazing job as well. I think it's just kind of the more all around, um, like the strongest film in the field for me. But that's I have it at my number one. Very good. Yeah. So that is, I said our top ten basketball basketball movies um, thus far. I know there's always some coming out, and of course, there's plenty that didn't make the list. Sorry, you know, luck of the Irish. If if you were hoping for that one. <laughs> Um, Look at the Irish basketball diaries. Yeah. Uh, love and basketball, I think was like an honorable mention for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think kind of quickly touching on it. Have you seen Ben Affleck's new movie, the way back or um, the, the preview no, I, for it? I, yeah. I've seen the previews for it and I noticed he's been doing sort of a press circuit on a lot of the sports shows. Um, but what makes you, what makes you bring it up? So this, well, it's a basketball movie. Well, yeah. <laughs> and um, it comes out, it hits theaters in two weeks. And I am I would say I'm a Ben Affleck fan. I, I like Ben Affleck. I like his movies. It's one of his. Yeah. Um, but we went to high school with, well, you know, Shauna Sexton. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm pretty sure she's like in this movie. <laughs> really i'm pretty sure I, I thought i saw something on social media like that she posted like of her at like some film set and it was like i don't know it, it whatever it was it like made me think like is she in that movie and i know yeah. she had a relationship with ben affleck for a little bit there yeah and i think it was at a time where he was in rehab and mm-hmm. you know he's kind of struggled especially in the public light um with his image and we know i think this is this film almost kind of parallels the struggles that he's been dealing with in his life um obviously had problems Mm -hmm. with alcoholism um i think that's kind of similar characteristics as the character in this story and it was really interesting to see him do some of these you know he was on inside the nba last night with Shaq and chuck and ernie kenny smith um and you know was pretty vulnerable about it and it seems like the the process of filming this movie was almost therapeutic for him so like you're saying i'm a big ben affleck fan so it's cool to see sort of this recovery yeah so um this might make the list once i see that but Mm -hmm. um for now we're kind of wait on that one but something that we did have to wait for is our next topic which is harley quinn birds of prey um just right off the bat i think this movie was pretty great it's fun um i've seen it labeled as a demented carnival ride and i i agree <laughs> with that um 100 and i think that the way margot robbie can kind of her her range is i mean pretty amazing anyway but the way that she can kind of take over this character of harley quinn which someone mm-hmm. that i'm pretty familiar with like reading comics and watching some of like the batman begin shows and and all that stuff i think she really no one else could do it better but right on the surface what did you think of of birds of prey yeah so i don't think i liked it quite as much as you did i think the first thing you texted me after leaving the theater was that it was phenomenal mm-hmm. um i wouldn't use that word but I definitely enjoyed sort of the visual stylings and the action. Uh, of course, 
loved Margot Robbie and her performance. I'm not quite as familiar with the source material as you are, but I thought um, she definitely evoked the essence of Harley Quinn in the film and her sort of like carefree, uh, reckless, kind of crazy demeanor. And I, I'm a big Ewan McGregor fan as well, so I, I did enjoy his performance, although I think the writing kind of lacked. And for, for me, it felt a little bit like narratively unfocused. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I enjoyed it. Was like a, it was a fun film to see. Yeah, I think I think the movie's plot is the least interesting thing about it. Yes. Um, it's the, essentially like a diamond. It's almost like Harley Quinn stars in Snatch. Right. Yeah, like the story, it exists and it's coherent, but ultimately it's like, it's pretty much just window dressing on mm-hmm. the way that these women's lives kind of eventually meet and you know, the granular details are far less interesting than the film's like aesthetics. And mm-hmm. I think like you said, the characterizations are really good. And I think which th- with such a stacked cast, um, I think that the writers did a really great job with kind of honing each actor into playing these characters that they can actually meld with and kind of develop. Mm-hmm. And, um, I'm also just a sucker for Margot Robbie in general, so anything that she's in, I'm gonna go see, and I'm probably gonna like it. And and, and same for you and McGregor. I think she was great, and I think <laughs> or he was great. Yeah. yeah. And um, see, uh, she's still in my mind. I can't even. I think I can't even get her out. Um, and then the new the new characters I think were great. Um, Black Canary and mm-hmm. Huntress. I think they they I am not too familiar with their story, but I am familiar with their little gang birds of prey and i think it was mm-hmm. cool to see it kind of come together yeah i i definitely think this is a like three steps up of from suicide squad like i i turned suicide squad off probably half an hour into it oh, yeah. so i didn't really know what <laughs> kind of what transpired with the joker mm-hmm. um but the one thing i did think it was nice about this movie um and i think that marvel really does well is this one you didn't really have to have seen other ones to get this movie and they even do a sort of little cartoon very harley quinn-esque exposition in the beginning mm-hmm. that kind of catches you up to speed and allows you to enjoy the film yeah and i think one of the distinctive things about the movie for me is the way that the women were fighting mm. um you know harley huntress and canary they don't fight like necessarily trained assassins or spies um, instead they, they fight I think the way that you might expect any woman in their situation to fight if they kept mm-hmm. you know their wits about them like they may not be able to body slam a man like twice their size but they can definitely you know crack some knees or give them a nice kick in the groin yeah and it's pretty reminiscent for me from like a miscongeniality sure um, kind of a loose relation but when I was thinking about it I was like this is it's not over the top fighting it's a little bit more sensible and i think um i feel like it was a good blend of it because um but yeah i would say for the most part the combat is really scrappy um and pretty believable um i think the thing that really that made the strongest impression on me is that i feel like dc in much more of a sense than marvel does 
highly stylizes their films mm-hmm. and I think makes them a little bit closer to the essence of the source material that they're trying to get across. Um, so obviously, you know, I, I feel like the Marvel films are a bit grittier um, and, you know, don't quite have the same sort of like intense color palette or animation or um, like film editing that the DC movies, which I think endears DC to comic book fans, but maybe alienates like strong critics, like strong film critics. Yeah. So it seems like, you know, seven years in the, the DC cinematic universe seems, I think to be finally rebounding after this movie. Um, you know, after four straight flops that they've released, I think the returns have been much better as they've kind of moved away from like their, traditional white male heroes in film. And I think that, you know, birds of prey, it's, it's fun. It's feminine. They have these glitter bombs and rainbow explosions and it makes up for a lot of, by makes up for a lot by having such kind of a clear sense of like this frenzied pace that it's trying to convey. Sure. And I think it was also pretty good at kind of taking the audience along um, for the ride in the same way that they were hoping for. Yeah. Um, I think it sets a good stage for the upcoming Batman film with Robert Pattinson too. Mm-hmm. Um, there's not a post credit scene, but there is sort of an audio sequence played after the credits where Harley seemingly is like about to spill some beans on Batman and then they kind of leave us on a cliffhanger. Um, there was something so at the, the end of the credits? Yeah, it wasn't like a it wasn't like a post credit scene, but there was basically like an, like an audio clip. Oh, right, right, right. right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, mm-hmm. I'm not going to say this movie then, is quite as good as like wonder woman. No, but I think definitely it's not. definitely miles ahead from any of the films, you know, like the man of steel that we saw or any of the other, the Batman movies that were before that. I can't even remember. I take, put them out of my head. Batman versus Superman, maybe. Yeah, like the Justice League. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And actually, Wonder Woman 1984 was in the preview for this movie. I don't know if you saw the same one at your screening, but... I did. Um, yeah, i really looking forward to that one. And sort of the... looks like the return of Chris Pine yeah. as Wonder Woman's like love interest and this sort of like 80s nostalgic feel that's become popular lately. So looking forward to that one as well. Mm-hmm. The one thing, the one comment I did have, just kind of loosely about Birds of Prey, was it seemed like they like they like CGI'd anything they could. Uh, there was even like a moment where Harley Quinn was, I think, eating like cheese whiz, and it took me a second to realize that they CGI'd the cheese whiz that she was like, yeah, <laughs> squeezing in her mouth. I just thought that was weird. Like, who who decides to spend, you know, what can't be a small amount of money on computer animating cheese whiz or a pet hyena you know maybe it's like the cheese whiz is against her strict actress diet <laughs> yeah. she's not allowed to maybe. actually have cheese whiz yeah. but um i was gonna say then, something off of what you just said well i, can't think I know that. one thing that i know perturbed you is child actors oh yes that's what it was <laughs> <laughs> yeah so and, and well, and besides the fact that I didn't realize this was rated R until I was halfway through the movie, 
mm-hmm. uh, which I think definitely helped this. I think if this was set at PG thirteen, it would not convey the same the same feeling that that I got definitely watching not. it. But yeah, so child act. They just don't have enough time. You don't see children in the NBA. You don't see children in the NFL. It's just it's hard for children to develop the same sort mm-hmm. of skills required to be a professional actor. And I could have done without this particular actress, child actress. I think maybe if they got someone with a bit more experience. I don't even think this person was even on IMDb if they'd been in anything else. Yeah. Um, yeah, but, she was yeah. especially bad. Like, I'm sorry. And it, it takes a lot of guts as a kid to get up there and, you know, do what she did. But it it wasn't even close. <laughs> right. I And if they're trying to convey, like, this inner city tr- kind of reckless child, I think, I mean, they could have gotten literally anyone mm-hmm. from, like, Stranger Things yeah, to do it. Yeah, no, 100%. Um, or even the the girl from who played in um, what's the Wolverine movie Logan? Oh yeah, she did really well, and I think she can um, kind of convey that sort of character, or literally anyone else, I guess, is what I'm mm-hmm. getting at. Sure. So anyway, that was that's our um, our review of Harley Quinn's Birds of Prey. Um, Moving on to our next conversation is a little bit of Call of Duty. Um, so as we've kind of been discussing in previous episodes, the CDL is Call of Duty's newest competitive event that they're having for the entire season. Um, and if you're not familiar, it's just quickly, it's sim- it's pretty much just a season as you would watch an NBA season or the NFL's regular season or baseball season. It's just this esports Call of Duty league that happens um, every other weekend. So, mm-hmm. um, two weekends ago, it was in London, and there's going to be another homestand set to take place this weekend in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, eight teams this time are going to be uh, kind of duking it out, duking it out in the uh, Gateway Center Arena there in Atlanta. And I think it's going to be fun. I really enjoy watching these events. Um, not all of the teams that I care to watch are going to be there, but I think it's still going to yeah. still going to be fun. Yeah, I, I'd say there's probably there's not too many competitive matches for this this week's group play. Um, so obviously mm-hmm. the undefeated Chicago Huntsman, um, starring you know some pretty big stars like Scump. Um, they're taking on Toronto Ultra, who I think combined are one and three in group play. Um, so I probably won't see a very competitive match there. And then of course the home team, Atlanta Phase, um, they're going to be taking on Optic Gaming LA. Atlanta is two and zero oh in group play, and Optic Gaming is zero oh and two. Um, but yeah, I- I'm excited for this week's group play. I think they're still kind of figuring out some stuff. I think especially with casting. Mm-hmm. Um, I know one big knock that you and I had against the first uh, week of group play, which was the, the one that both of us watched, was some of the like third-person camera angles they were trying to use in, in an attempt to, I think, emulate some other pro FPS games like Counter-Strike uh, and the way it's popularly casted. Yeah. Um, but it, it's entertaining, and it's cool to see competitive Call of Duty back. 
Yeah, and from here on out, it was sim. It was different for the first two weekends. It was all the teams playing, and but the CDL did announce that from here on out for the rest of the season, only eight teams will attend every homestand event. So some of the storylines that were kind of created at previous events won't necessarily get the chance to kind of shine in Atlanta. So you have like this feud between the Chicago Huntsman and Dallas Empire and kind of like some former rivalries there and how so before a quick little tip is every team they scrimmage each other online and playing online versus playing on a land event are completely different so there's always a lot of beef of Dallas beating Chicago online but when they get to a land event they they've lost three times to them so yeah we won't be able to see that story but I think to me, from the looks of it, I think the groups are slightly skewed. Um, group A, which is Atlanta, London, Florida, Optic Gaming LA, mm-hmm. um, looks fairly weak, I think, compared to Group B, which has three teams and that have all winning records um, besides, yeah. I think, Toronto. And, I mean, so Chicago Huntsman they definitely skew that sort of group dynamic like you were saying so they lead in terms of cdl points at 70 points and the next closest is the paris legion at 40 and chicago's yet to lose a match uh they're 6-0 and they've won uh, 18 out of their 22 games played in those matches Mm um so they're definitely kind of sitting at the top of that totem pole and i think you know kind of have a target on their back in this sort of what almost feels like the sort of like Eastern Conference, Western Conference dynamic in basketball, or even the NFC, AFC kind of dynamic in, in football. Yeah, and I think that if you are definitely a fan of Call of Duty, um, I kind of put a quick little list together of like players that you might want to watch during CDL of, um, Atlanta. So I definitely have um, on my list is... Dashy, he plays for Optic Gaming Los Angeles. Um, I think he's one of the best like AR players in in the in the league right now. And I think after they they fell to Legion in a five game pretty much extravaganza last week, I think Optic Gaming has kind of found themselves against like other teams and how they can kind of play together and win. So Dashy is definitely someone you know look for. Assault on Minnesota. Um, Skies, who plays for the Florida Mutineers. And then I have the number one player to look on for this week is Pierce um, Gunless Hillman. He plays for the Chicago Huntsman. And despite never winning a world championship, Gunless is definitely considered one of the most versatile and well-rounded players in the game. And now, of course, since he's reunited with former teammate um, R-Cities and Formal, um, no better fifth to have on your team than than him um, and Scump moving forward. Yeah, and Formal destroyed uh, Crim Six was on the Dallas Empire in a scrim the other day. I thought that was pretty entertaining. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have a favorite? Do you have a kind of a favorite team you're rooting for? Um. So, growing as my like gaming, I guess life, game, not career, but as I got more into gaming and competitive gaming. I got a real strong connection with Optic Gaming, the original Optic Gaming, um, mm-hmm. with Hector and and yeah. Scump and all them. And I think I just kind of 
grew to to them as as people and it's kind of like some people like certain professional teams not because of the team but because of the people on it and I think that's kind of where my direction went so I definitely say that I'm a Chicago Huntsman fan um, just because I've kind of grown and like develops this relationship with them on the other side of a computer screen mm-hmm. but just like you would grow up watching your favorite athlete I think me sticking with Scump for such a long time and, and formal and certainly Hector and watching his vlogs on YouTube all the time um, the Chicago Huntsman um, is my team yeah and they got a cool logo <laughs> and they got a cool logo and Chicago's cool. I've never been there, but hopefully I uh, get a chance to You've go. You've never been to Chicago? I've never been to Chicago. Oh, Chicago's awesome. They're having their homestand in April. We're there. Maybe I'll find time to go there in April. Yeah, that'd be cool. Chicago's a lot of fun. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, if we get the chance to go to an event, that'd be sick. Yeah, do you have kind of an early... Um, guess on who's going to win this weekend in Atlanta? Huh, if I had to make some predictions, um, I think the Paris Legion, that's probably a pretty easy win over Minnesota to start out the day. Um, I think, like I said, the Chicago Huntsman-Toronto Ultra doesn't really seem like a matchup, but uh, if Ultra can make it competitive, then that might be an entertaining match. Um, and then I think kind of the headliner is this Atlanta phase Optic Gaming LA. Uh, I think Optic Gaming kind of has their backs against the wall, obviously with having, they're not the true Optic Gaming, but having that kind of widely recognized brand attached to their name, you think people would be expecting a little bit more out of them. So sitting at 0-2, I think they really got to try and make a stand uh, against the home team. And I think that'd be a huge statement winning uh, on the road and their opponent's home stadium. Yeah, so I think it's definitely going to be between Chicago and Atlanta. Those definitely mm-hmm. to be the strongest teams, as we've mentioned before. Um, I want to say that Chicago is going to be able to take it, but you know Atlanta's really good. I think if you know, I, I want to say Chicago has the slight advantage just because of some of the World Championship experience that their players have. Mm-hmm. Um, that really does matter in like the crunch time. Um, but one last thing that I wanted to mention about Call of Duty before we conclude or move on is a lot of players online have been very upset with the CDL and not having um, any sort of any sort of spoils that go to the victor, I guess. There's mm-hmm. there's no trophy, there's no ceremony, there's no naming of an MVP, there's there's nothing that sim like shows that you won this weekend, um, much like it was with a proper tournament. So Sure. I think in in London, they like the Chicago Huntsmen. They didn't get to celebrate. They pretty much just walked off stage, and the stream like just ended. And I I think it might seem like a superficial point, but you know I think there needs to be some sort of recognition for the winners. Maybe not necessarily a trophy, but I think that there needs to be some sort of at least a post game interview with the winners. Yeah, and I think that speaks to kind of what I was saying about the quality of their cast and sort of the production value behind these events. And they're, they're still trying to figure it out, but I feel like that's sort of a conventional. You make a checklist of any sort of event you're trying to, to run, you know, a competitive gaming series on. You, you, those things seem to be on a list, and that's what 
it gets people really engaged and gets them kind of talking oh hey did you see cod league this weekend um oh yeah so-and-so won mvp or so-and-so said this provocative comment mm-hmm. in an interview you know that's what what is really engaging uh for viewers so um, you know ho- hopefully they'll figure it out yeah because as a player that doesn't doesn't seem like their wins weren't necessarily real i guess i mean you get like sure. these points and you get like this this ladder this ladder system excuse me um, going little <laughs> voice crack there. This ladder system going through the season with points and just I think having some sort of way again to show that these are proper championships that they're winning because they are being crowned as CDL London champions, CDL mm-hmm. LA champions. So um, as a player, I think it's just it's important as a player to be recognized that what you're doing actually makes sense. Not, it's not like, you know, MLB where there's 182 games where the regular season, like it, no one watches baseball until the playoffs. (laughs) Yeah. And I don't think that's the way that call of duty should be viewed. No, I agree. Um, especially, you know, you're trying to build this base of loyal, like call of duty fans who are going to watch. And, you know, that's almost the reason that you're doing group play is you're, you're trying to get people to, you don't you don't have the audience yet to be having these matchups where it's like okay Atlanta's hosting Chicago and like a one-on-one sort of thing um so you know if you're trying to grow that audience you have to engage with them more right exactly um so we're gonna we're gonna watch CDL Atlanta this week if you're a Call of Duty fan definitely watch it message us um on Twitter or on Anchor let us know who you think is, is gonna win and again always share this podcast with people we've had a huge support in the past few weeks that we are very thankful for um and don't forget to leave a comment or a um a review five stars always great on apple podcast and for that we'll talk at you next week see you then bye